Hi, I'm Dave Barnes. And I'm John McLaughlin. And welcome to Dadville. Dadville is a podcast where we talk about life, love, and the pursuit of awesome dadding. It's funny thoughts and deep talks. So please, enjoy your time here in Dadville and enjoy this episode with... John Gosh, John, I forget how good you are at karate. That's incredible. I know, man. I mean, it's all about the right belt. It is. Timing or your leather belt. Exactly. I I feel like maybe, is that not, that's what you meant? Not really, but speaking of, Dave, I'm just going to try to transition to save you. (laughs) Finally, Dave? Yeah. Warm spring days are arriving. Oh, Am my I right? Gosh. Isn't it great? You know what? I need a new pair of shades that I don't have to baby. Do you know what I'm saying, John? I don't want to take care of them. Let me put them on, take them off, and not have to worry Look, about it. Hey, them. Dave, I know exactly Sorry. Sorry, what I didn't you mean. mean. Knock around is the solution. They've oh. been making high quality shades that don't break the bank okay. since 2005. Oh, wow. And they've actually been my personal go to's for years. Oh, yeah. I love knock around, John. They have over 20 different frame styles. So there's something for everyone, including tons of kids' pairs. That's right. So whether you're looking to rep your favorite sports teams, mm-hmm. you know, like you're a sports guy, mm-hmm. <laughs> spend some relaxation time in the yard, yep. or cruise down Broadway with the windows down, oh. like Dave does uh-huh. all the time. All the time. Every Tuesday and Thursday mm-hmm. and Saturday. Mm-hmm. Knock around. That's what you need. Yeah. All of their lenses have UV 400 protection, which is basically like sunscreen for your eyes, which, by the way, I've tried that and it hurts. <laughs> Use the sunglasses, everybody. With polarized adult pairs starting at 28 bucks. you can get a few pairs to leave in your car, toss in your beach bag, or lend to a friend in need. Dave, that is such a good price I that I might buy a pair just to intentionally lose them. I don't love that logic, John, but I know, you do but have a history of misplacement. It's not around Don't fight me because like the karate stuff. But it could though. be perfect for you. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So, Dadville fans, don't squint through family beach days yeah. or trips to the park. Check out knockaround.com and use the promo code DADVILLE15 for 15% off your order. That's DADVILLE15 for 15% off your order at knockaround.com. Welcome to Dadville. And as you hear John clap in the background, this is a big one, folks. Okay, first of all, before we even start, I know I like you guys because you're using GarageBand. Oh, yeah. So I already (laughs) know. Well, it's logic, but it's like GarageBand's big brother. GarageBand light. (laughs) GarageBand 2.0 is what it is. I'm a GarageBand guy. I love GarageBand. Oh, it is. Oh, man. Logic to me is the best. I I mean, I'm Well, logic's too sophisticated for me, but that's Even logic. Okay, respect. Okay. It's amazing. (laughs) This is, I'm not smart enough to do. I, I have Pro Tools, but I'm just not smart enough. I I hung on to Pro Tools. By the way, we are starting. We've lost half yeah. our oh, listeners Oh, yeah, and 90% of our listeners. I was in Pro Tools for like <laughs> 10 years, okay. and then Logic, during COVID, Logic got me. It okay. was all the loops and all that kind of stuff, now yeah. I'm Logic. Well, guy. I don't know if you've seen this, John. Like, I feel like in my, in, my, in my songwriting part of my life, not my artist part of my life, my songwriting part of my life, 98% of the people I work with are Logic. I mean, like Pro Tools, other than studios... Right, like you it's like studio, a real, legit put, studio, guys. Yeah, are, are they're still, doing yeah. Pro Tools, but yeah. I don't. I don't. I, I'm not kidding. I do not write with anybody that uses Pro Tools. Yeah, well, I just use GarageBand because I'm, I'm. I've been using it for ever since it was invented, basically. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah. And I'm good on it. I'm fast, and I don't have to bop, be, get bogged down with. Uh, That's engineering. the thing. That that yeah, that was so the self. I can me. put up something. I can get a loop. Oh, oh here yeah, we go. Going, what got me on Pro Tools is somebody told me that you can import your Pro or sorry Logic 
they said you can import your Pro Tools shortcuts. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, done. Oh, okay. Yeah. I just didn't want to learn new shortcuts. I couldn't yeah. do that. Yeah. 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 Exactly. And we just lost the, the other half of our listeners. We are, now, even my mom is not listening. The, the, She's like, that's a bridge too far, Dave. I'm out. That is a bridge too far. Okay, folks, we have – you just got – that was just a front. That was a, that oh, was a the, front the, row seat. Yeah. That was the pre-intro intro. <laughs> yeah. Okay. It was the right. Pre-intro intro. <laughs> okay. Good. We're known for that, John. So with us we have. Are you knighted yet? Can we just call you Sir, Sir John? John Oates? Yes, that, you can. Okay. Just speak it into existence. Feel, feel free. <laughs> feel free. Okay, we're calling. If you, as long as you don't call me Sir, <laughs> I'll be all right. <laughs> Actually, I, I've gone by that name numerous times in my life. Okay, so here's so what we do, John, is we start with what we call the brag sheet. Um, uh-oh. And once again, this is a significant brag significant. sheet. I don't know that we've had one like this before. Okay, so here we go. This is this is a little bit like this is your life. So, all right, buckle up. Recorded first single, "I Need Your Love" in 1966. This is recorded 29 albums with Daryl Hall and sold over 80, 80 million million albums. Let's say it again: 80 ah, million. million albums. Okay. Gosh, I mean that's just a couple <laughs> more that John and I combined. Um, he also wrote many of the top 10 songs they recorded, included Sarah Smile. Y'all might know that one. She's Gone, Out of Touch, You Make My Dreams, I Can't Go For That, Man Eater, Adult Education, and many more. The duo has 10 number one records and over 20 top 40 hits, 24 BMI Pop Awards, 14 BMI Millionaire Awards, Come on. nominated for five Grammy Awards, won three American Music Awards for Favorite Pop Group, 10 solo albums on his own. Inducted in the Songwriters Hall of Fame in 2004, uh, inducted in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in 2014. Re- the duo received a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame in 2016. 2017 releases memoir, Change of Seasons. Latest album, Arkansas, was released in 2018. Also has a single, Disconnected, which I was jamming to earlier as John came in. But I would say, and I'm, you know, most importantly, was the 1965-1966 North Penn High School Section 2 <laughs> 127-pound wrestling champion. That's right. That's right. That's right. Okay, so so we always ask this, John, and I'm especially fascinated. How do you feel hearing all that? Like, when you hear that, like, what what happens? I'm, I'm so impressed with myself at this point that <laughs> I, I really don't think I actually need to, to do this interview. And, in fact, I was thinking maybe I should just leave. Just <laughs> and everything will be good, pretty good. You've right? graced us enough at this yeah. point. Yeah, you sort of most people a... don't even get this much time. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay. I mean, that is incredible. I mean, is it? What does it feel like to have that kind of a a sheet? I, you know, I, I I'm not nostalgic. I don't dwell on it. I don't think about the past too much. Yeah. I, to be honest with you, and I'm being totally serious. I I like to you know I like to keep moving forward. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, you know, you know what it's like. Uh, you guys are creatives. You know, you know what it is. It's like um, it's. I feel compelled to uh, yeah to keep doing stuff. Yeah. You know. Yeah. I, you know. I'm. I like to work. I like yeah. to be active, and I like to challenge myself. So, for me, it's great. I mean, the you know the, the to be acknowledged and you know to have achieved all that stuff is. Sometimes I, I'm shocked, to be honest with you, that we were able to do what we did because we, I don't know if people don't realize it or not, but we made an album every year from 1972 until 1986 Good and night. toured. Which, uh, and making an album back in those days was more, that's saying something more than it is now. I mean, now you can kind of make an album with more ease. 
Well, yeah, using the technology yeah. and stuff like that. No, we, but but you know, it wasn't actually too difficult. We we never spent more than two months making a record. Wow. Really? Uh, in fact, I'll tell you a really funny story. Well, I've got a lot of them, but uh, we were at Electric Lady doing, I think it was the Private Eyes album, mm-hmm. and we did the Private Eyes album. A foreigner was doing Foreigner 4. Jeez Louise. And we, we did Private Eyes. We went on tour for almost nine months. We came back to start uh, Big Bamboom. And, mm-hmm. and Foreigner 4, they were still recording. No. Yeah, they were still in there recording. They were still of in course, there. they sold a lot of records and they made an amazing album. Yeah. But, but yeah, yeah, no, we, we were fast. But you hear those stories all the time, like Springsteen in the studio, just like forever. Yeah. You know what I mean? We never did that. Yeah. We wrote our songs within a, usually about a month, a month or so. And then um, and we went in and we only recorded what we uh what was on the album pretty much there was hardly any uh there's no b-sides no. coming out yeah no there's no extra songs that were laying around or anything like that so yeah. this I, the songwriter in me i'm always so fascinated by what you exactly what you just said the bands like you guys that could go okay it's time to write and you write you go and you record it you go tour come back like billy joel it's time to write like that. that's right that 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 is so hard for me to understand because it's you know like Nowadays, you kind of take your time and you build on things. You have little ideas that you let sit and mm-hmm. you simmer, and then you kind of return to them. Would that, when y'all would write like that, would you be um, putting together little pieces of things throughout the oh, tour? Yeah. Where yeah. you'd kind of have constantly. A little, yeah, I kept journals. Um, you know, and Daryl's the same way. He's uh, always writing in his journals and doing stuff like that. And then we'd kind of share our ideas. We'd like say, "Hey, I got this. So check this out. What about this?" And then you know, we'd pull it together. And then once we realized that there was a a coherent you know, direction, then it was easy. Then, then we would just kind of stick with that. Yeah. Um, yeah, but we see the thing was, you know, all through those years, we spent so much time together. We were together constantly, mm, Yeah. you know, so we're writing, we're recording, we lived close to each other in the city in New York. Um, so we had the same shared experiences. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, we yeah. were both professionally and personally too, with, you know, we knew the same people, Yeah. you know, blah, blah. So there's so, it was just like this, um, it was pretty seamless for, wow. for quite some time. You know? when, when, and with those hits, I'm, I'm so curious to ask this. We, yeah, I, have... we, we do need to say, for those listening, <laughs> we're going to set a timer. This is not going to be the whole time. We got to talk I mean, some when music do you stuff. get to sit with John Oates and ask yeah. these questions? So indulge us, people. But, you know, again. And all, and all I get is this crappy uh, the bag, bag of. of it's, it's, honestly, it's not beans. even coffee, honestly. Say, it's, it's, so, um, hey, come on over. I'll give you yeah, a bag of coffee <laughs> So, so obviously, I'm a pretty cheap date at this that's point. Our, right. That's our pitch. Yeah, okay. What, what can we give <laughs> you? I, some, some coffee. But the here. worst part is I came over not even knowing I was getting the coffee. Yeah, that's and, yeah. right. And I still yeah. came and over. you still came over. So and I'm, that, I am definitely That's what we appreciate. That's, <laughs> that's what we appreciate. Okay. Right. Um, oh, that made me giggle. Um, John and I were talking about this before you came over. When you think about the music that you've been able to be a part of, you know, this isn't something where it's like, man, these are great songs and they and they really did well. I think this weird and beautiful combination of they are such great songs, but also kind of at the beginning of rock and roll. You know, it's like beginning of pop music in some ways. Like you guys, with all these other amazing bands, were literally putting the first story of sort of popular music together, right? Like Pretty foundational to what extremely, we have that's, today. That's what I'm trying to say. Yeah. And so these aren't just like, oh, I know that song. I mean, these are... Again, I would say bedrock songs to the thing that is pop music now and rock and roll music. When you're, I mean, when you're writing those kind of songs, any of those you've been a part of, which have been just so substantial, would you feel like, ooh, boy, this one, okay. Like, you're, you know, you're kind of walking around. Like, like, did you have any sense of Yeah, like, of that? this is magic. 
Yeah, I mean, I think you always do. You know how it is. You guys are writers. You, you always sense when there's something, you know, you're onto something special, right? Yeah. Um, but I have to, I'll tell you, and you know, a lot of people criticized us over the years of being like, oh, these guys are like uh, hit makers. You know, they've got this this formula. They've got this uh, secret sauce that they're able to mm-hmm. eh, just knock them out. You know, but we we actually per, we actually spent as much time on every track on every album wow. that we did as we did. We didn't isolate like Man Eater or I Can't Go for That and say, oh, this is probably going to be a single. So let's wow. work on this a little harder. Wow. We spent the exact same amount of time on every track. And then we basically left it up to the record company and, and to radio. You know, radio at the time, it was, you know, it was the big record companies and radio hand in hand, you know. Yeah, yeah. And we, we left it up to them to sell the music. We just said, look, guys, this, this is what we did. Here it goes. You pick the ones. And then, you know, they figured out marketing and how they were going to sell it. Uh, in fact, we never let anybody from the record company come into our studio when we were recording. Ever. No way. Never. They never heard anything until the record was finished. And we would deliver that and the album cover. That is it. We that blows say, my mind because he, of the hits that y'all had. Here you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, I know. The, the whole, compared to the way things have gone you know, yeah. in, the, in the big mainstream music business, I know it seems like insane, right? With so many people involved now. Right. You know, everybody's got an opinion and, you know, an analytics and, you know, whatever it might be. No, no. We, we just went in there and recorded. And that was it. So as far as you personally, I mean, you started playing guitar when you were six, yeah. right? I should be a lot better. That's what you want to say. <laughs> That's exactly where I was going. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, figured, I figured you were going there. No, actually, I I started playing piano around the same age, and I feel like the other day I I wrote a song that I can't play. I was like, if I had to record this today, I can't record it. And I'm like, That's insane. I've been playing for 35 years. And I can't play this song? No, but my question was, you're a guitarist, singer, songwriter, performer, all these hats that you wear. What, what, if you had to pick like one of that list, what's the one that you're like, but truly at the end of the day, I'm a songwriter or a, truly at the end of the day, I'm really a player or whatever. Which one is it? I like to think of myself as a songwriter. I, mm. I think it's where it all starts. You, mm. got, you guys know that. Um, it's, it's all about, you know... It, you know, there's a million great players, a million great singers out there, but unless you've got a story and a song to sing and play, you have nothing. I think that's one of the reasons over the years where Daryl and I have always had such amazing uh, bands because great players like to play great songs, uh, you know, as opposed to just jamming, you know, or whatever. Um, and so, yeah, so we've been privileged and, and really blessed to have these incredible musicians. And even before we had our own band in the 80s, where, where we had a band that we felt comfortable being in the studio and on the road with, we used studio musicians from the yeah. very beginning. Yeah. And, you know, from the very beginning, our first albums, you know, we had Bernard Purdy on drums. Uh-huh. We had, you know, uh, you know, Richard T and, uh, you know, people like that, you know, I mean... Just the and in even in the mid seventies when we were out in L.A. you know we had Jeff Percaro playing mm. we had Lee Sklar and uh, you know also you know all sorts of amazing musicians would always uh, we'd always have them and um, it elevated not only what we did but you know just made, you make great, great records with great players yeah. yeah so so as y'all are making those records even then did you feel like yes I'm singing I'm playing guitar but what I'm really leaning into is like we're songwriters and we're putting our songs out to the world did you feel that yeah I I think we've always thought of ourselves as songwriters Mm -hmm. Um, but we also you know we're also have both Daryl and I have been on stage since we've been little kids yeah yeah. Um, you know so we're you know we're comfortable 
across the board, mm-hmm. you know, when it comes to that kind of stuff. When, when you guys would write these songs, how much... Because I find the thing that fascinates me about songwriting duos like the two of y'all, and I think I've seen this with Lennon McCartney after being obsessed with them for the last couple of years. It seemed like they sort of did this weird thing where they lived in a vacuum, and like what they were excited about was what they were inspiring each other. Like, does this make you feel... And a little bit of an eye outside what's going on, but seems like for the most part it was more to amuse each other. It was like, what what gets you going? Are you feeling this? You know, when you guys would write these songs, how much of a like were y'all paying a lot of attention to the current music and where it was going? Was that was it more just like you would write your things together and it became its own thing, or was there ever an eye? Because with hits that size, it's just it's amazing to me that you guys could do it as. It's so broad. That's it's my, one of my favorite things about what y'all have done musically is that it's not blue at soul. It's not pop. It's not even like kind of super pop. Either, but you know, Kiss or whatever. You know, it's like it's everywhere. And so it's I, I'm like, surely y'all had an eye what was going on, or you just completely lived in your own space. But it feels like how would you accomplish such a range of things? You know, I think we were more influenced by where we were. And, uh. and the experiences that we had on tour than we were by listening to music. Um, in fact, it's kind of funny because my wife's considerably younger than me and uh, she will always reference things from like the 80s in particular. And she goes, oh, you don't you like it? I said, I don't even know that song. I mean, wow. I, never, I never listened to anybody else because I was so wrapped up in what I was doing. Um, yeah. And that's all I really cared about. Wow. And yeah. if I listened to music, I was listening to mixes or I was listening to, or, or coming up, trying to create, recraft the song or, you know, it was always, it was very self-indulgent and right. it was like our own little universe. Yes. But you know, the thing I'm, I'm really, one of the things I'm really most proud of in terms of the, all the, the body of work, so to speak, is that none of the, our hits sound like another one. Yeah. Not one of the, and that's, that's exactly I think what you were right. kind of that's exactly talking about. Right. Yep. Yeah. Every song is completely different. Yeah. Um, and you know, there's always that, 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 uh, you know, that pressure, I think from, from the outside, from radio, from the record company. Oh, Hey, let's do rich girl too. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. Totally. yeah. But yeah. We, we rejected that. Totally rejected that. And I think that's really unique uh, about our, our body of work is that, um, they really are, the songs are completely original and they're always different. It's incredible. I think that's yeah. one of the strongest things that y'all have done is not just how good the work is, but that it's so unique. It's just consistently another thing. Yeah. It's not like well, let's double down. We know let's kick it up yeah. a half a step. <laughs> let's just yeah, do it. it we, you know, it's true. I it was just one of those things. I mean, when we we put a box set together, uh, I guess it was about ten years ago, and um, that was a chance for both of us to review and listen to all this stuff. And I was like, and I think we were both shocked. Mm. We were both shocked that we were able to do it Mm -hmm. and on a, such a consistent level for so many years. Um, I mean, we just worked our, you know, look, I I never took a break from 1972 until 1986, not one time. And I never had a life really. And it was part of the reasons we kind of stopped for a while in the late eighties because I needed to step away. I needed to, and that's when I got, you know, I got remarried. I moved to Colorado, built a house, had a kid, everything changed, you know, because I needed to have something else in my life other than this constant, you know, uh, hamster wheel of, of recording, writing, recording, touring, writing. And so, um, to to this day, really, I, I value uh, now uh, the the perspective of being able to step outside of that, Mm. you know, why why, why was that um why no breaks was it 
Well, because because <laughs> we're greedy bastards, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> I mean, was it no, just? No, we're both we're both very AAA, uh, hardworking. Yeah, you know, like you know, it's just compelled to do it. Yeah. I mean, um, you well, know, and that's kind of just what you do at that time. Yeah, like I mean, you, Dave, you and I both have our version of that. I think, like from two thousand five yeah. to two thousand eleven. I mean, yeah, I, yeah. I just never stopped. Yeah. You know. When you and when you get on a roll, you don't want yeah, it to stop. That's right. You know right. how it is in the music business. You know, you, you be very reluctant to say no. You know, what yeah, I mean? yeah, right. Because, well, and you got you, you guys know. are building the this huge machine during that time. I mean, you've got people yeah, on staff. You well, got a record label. You got everybody. That's another story. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I I did a couple of shows with Billy Joel a couple of years ago, and he, you know, I was asking him about how. The shows have been going and all his shows at the garden and stuff like that. And he's like, you got to feed the elephant, you know? Yeah. Uh, it's like, you got, I mean, you guys at that time had the biggest elephant that you could have. You got to, got to feed that thing. Yeah. And you know, well, you know, Billy Joel is, Billy, you know, Billy Joel is kind of similar in, in a way, in a lot of ways, I think. Um, you know, he was part of the big Columbia machine, you know, mm -hmm. he was cranking out the hits and amazing prolific writer, you know, uh, and the thing that he's done at at the garden is is you know is really brilliant because they they're coming to him you know it's he's, incredible he's become he's become a tourist attraction in new york city yeah wow yeah. he's literally it's it's transcended music really mm -hmm. even though his music is good you know it's it's something else mm -hmm. uh, yeah. you know so yeah i mean you know he's uh, pretty pretty amazing but um what was your parents relationship with music like did they, were they all in on what you were doing? Was it like kind of half and half? Or was your like dad the one that's like, he's going to go play, honey. And she's like, ah, you know. No, it was the exact opposite. My mom was a stage mother. No way. Uh -huh. Yeah, my mom, my mom was very pushy. Uh, and she pushed me to, uh, I think my mom just uh, lived uh, kind of, uh, you know, vicariously through, mm, through, yeah. through my talent. Um, and you, grew, you grew up in New York City? Well, we were, I was born in New York City and I, I lived there until I was four three or four and then okay. we moved to pennsylvania okay. outside of philadelphia and okay. that's where i grew up then you know went, of course went to philadelphia and then back to new york yeah uh but no my mom was um you know she just um she she took me to guitar lessons voice lessons wow. you know took me around i played all the kids shows and you know did uh played at the steel pier and the talent shows and mm -hmm. i did all that stuff so i was like a child performer you know she used to she used to make me wear these white bucks um these mm -hmm. shoes the white buck shoes i don't know if you remember this pretty old but um and, and like a red jacket so to this day i never wear red and <laughs> and i You're scarred i am totally scarred and i remember one time we were playing at this amusement park it was a beautiful fun amusement park and i'm a little kid i was probably like six or seven and um there was this one boy he had red hair his name was dennis erickson and he was like a an irish tenor mm -hmm. okay i'm going way back here, oh this guys. is it this yeah. is like the almost pre-rock and roll yeah so and i remember i wanted to have an ice cream and she said dennis erickson's mother doesn't let him eat ice cream before he sings wow and i was like <laughs> dennis erickson this guy's killing yeah, me hey man here. come on this guy dennis <laughs> you look over at he's eating a salad or something <laughs> he's just crying <laughs> So did did was she pushing it or were you yeah, wanting she, to get on stage? She was no. I mean, I had musical talent. I always wanted to. You know, once I, you know, I, I the first thing, <laughs> first lesson I had was um, accordion, mm -hmm. 
because uh-huh. the only music teacher in this little town where we lived in Pennsylvania was an accordion teacher. Wow. Uh-huh. Actually, he's the guy that invented the Cordovox. Wow. The electric accordion. Yeah. And, he, and his claim to fame was that he played on the Lawrence Welk show. Ah, uh, there we go. Uh-huh. Yeah, so, you know. Oh, yeah. And, of course, it was Pennsylvania, so it was like German, like yeah. Lumpa. Right, yeah, right, yeah, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I had this little kitty accordion. It was red. Here again. I was oh, going to say. With the red. <laughs> There's a theme. Dave, and move the Keurig I'm machine. sorry, let me get rid of it. I see now there's a lot of red in the room. And I, don't, I don't want to trigger you. I was, uh, and I, so I, I, t- I think I, you know, I took a lesson and then I put it in the closet and then the next week I'd go to the lesson and I'd put it in the closet. Oh yeah. And finally, after a few lessons, you know, he said to her, uh, you know, I don't think he wants to do it. And she said, what do you want to say? I said, I want to play guitar. I, I like, you know, I want to play the guitar. So luckily that's that we transitioned immediately to guitar. And then I never had to. I never looked back after that. Yeah. But uh, no, she um, she pushed me to do a lot of stuff. I mean, I did some really weird stuff. Um, I mean, I played a Christmas show at an insane asylum. <laughs> that that, that was so, so frightening. How old were you then? Probably the same age, seven, eight. Oh my! Gosh. And I remember going into it was in Norristown, Norristown uh, Insane Asylum, and we did a Christmas show, and there were people in straight jackets and there were people drooling and yelling oh my gosh we had to sing christmas songs no no it's it's some weird stuff so yeah i did that um that was (laughs) oh my god it was one of my big moments so you know people ask me if you ever get stage fright i said no not really yeah no you don't know yeah yeah. (laughs) not really yeah yeah. that was genius on your mother's part she's like i'll I'll get all the break them early break them early so Holy cow. Man, I have a story of playing at a at a wave pool at like a like a teen night, but that's that's a much better story. Were you in the water? Well, I, so it was Did my you first end up single. In the water? Yes, my first single was this like ballad. It's called Beautiful Disaster and I I was playing at this radio event in Boise, Idaho, and it was at a water park. And they were, and it was just me solo. So they had this like you know keyboard set up like facing this wave pool. There's like a sea <laughs> of fourteen year olds, yeah, having the time of their life, yelling, just and hormones exploding. <laughs> and then they're like, "Okay, at seven, we're gonna shut the wave pool off, and you'll play your song." Shut the wave pool off. And I'm like, these kids are gonna hate so me. No, they hate you. So, so the much. only thing I could do, I'm like, uh, at the bridge, I'm gonna jump in the water. And they told me, they said, just just don't jump in the water. It's like insurance thing. Just don't jump in the water. I'm like. These kids are going to hate. The only chance we have of these kids ever liking the song is if I jump in this water. <laughs> and you jumped in the water. And I it's, jumped in the water. show business, you know? Yeah. So what was, were your parents able to see your success? I mean, how did that oh, go? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, they they um, they were always really supportive. They always, you know, helped me with, like, buying a guitar or an amp mm. or something like that. They, you know, once they realized that there was no turning back, um, huh. they never pressured me to do anything. They wanted me to go to college, which I did. Mm-hmm. Um, and I graduated from Temple University. Uh, mm. and what did but, you study in college? Uh, well, I was a radio, television, and film, and journalism major. Oh, oh wow. Because nice. I always like to write. Writing has always come easy to me, whether yeah. it's writing, song, lyric writing, or prose, or what that doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was really the path of least resistance. It was like back in those days, it was if you uh, could stay in college, you didn't have to go to Vietnam. Oh, mm-hmm. gosh. So yeah. I had an ulterior motive because my best friend from high school was killed in Vietnam. Oh, and wow. A number of Man. other my high school friends were killed. Jeez so I, it wasn't really something I really wanted to do. Right. Um, so 
I managed to stay four years and I managed to get avoid avoid that, which was lucky for me. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, and here again, journalism was just a super easy course. I didn't, and I would play music at night. You know, I played in the clubs and I played in coffee houses and I played folk blues and played in little blues bands and things like that. So, yeah. Yeah, just, uh, and plus I wanted to be in the city. That's why I went to Temple University. Yeah. Because it gave me a chance to be in the city. Yeah. And I knew that's where the music was. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, so, yeah. And you, I mean, you're, you're front row for like, cause w- what's happening in like the folk movement is kind of everything. Expl- yeah. It was one of the greatest times to be in Philadelphia. Um, Philadelphia had, uh, not only the Philadelphia folk festival, which is God, going on 55 years now. Wow. Um, so all the great, uh, traditional performers, the blues, the folk, uh, you know, uh, they all were being rediscovered in, in mm. the early sixties coming and Philadelphia was the next the first folks festival after Newport. Mm-hmm. So Newport was first and Philadelphia was right there. After. Wow. So all the great performers and I got to see everybody. Wow. Um, and then of course there were these amazing coffee houses, uh, the second fret and the main point where I could see uh, here again, all the same performers. Um, my guitar teacher and mentor was the road manager for Mississippi, John Hurt. Wow. So I'd go to over for a guitar lesson and he'd be there. Oh, Doc Watson cool. would be sitting on a couch. No way. So it was really like this incredible opportunity. Then on the other side of the coin, the Uptown Theater, which was part of the Chitlin circuit, yeah. uh, you know, the Apollo in New York, the Howard mm-hmm. in yeah. uh, D.C. Yeah. This is the uh, the R&B circuit. So on Saturday nights, I would go to the Uptown and I saw all the greats, you know, Jeez. you name it. I saw Stevie Wonder do fingertips when he was 12. God. I saw James Brown. I saw Otis Redding, uh, The Miracles, Temptations, Sam wow. Dave, uh, you know, you name it. Um, so there was this, it was just this, kind of barrage of, wow. of stuff yeah you know and i i loved it all you know and mm. i i played in a band you know and i played some of the r&b stuff and then i'd play folky stuff in the coffee houses wow so and, and to this day that's kind of what i do i kind of do this combination of of this but right. to me it's all the same yeah you know it just it's this um, it's this great legacy of american roots music that that is just uh, so rich and so unique to america yeah. Um, that uh, and and I'll, I that's that's if I can be proud of anything, it's like if if I'm a small part of that. Oh my gosh, for you sure. Know, oh, and that's a, that's a big deal. Yeah, of course. It's, I mean, it's 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 the you know, American pop music is one of the greatest things that America has ever given to the world. Mm, yeah. There's no negative. There's mm. no nothing bad about it, and it's influenced and spread American culture throughout the Everywhere. entire mm-hmm. world. Yeah. So you know, if you can be part of that, I mean, that's pretty it's, it's awesome. amazing. Yeah. <laughs> so I said into the mic. Into the mic, John. Yeah. Lionel Richie, more like Lionel Pori. <laughs> oh, man. How did you get on stage at Taylor Swift's show? <laughs> well, I'll tell you how I got in jail later. Right. Yeah. Listen, Dave, great story. Okay. As you know, being a dad is Ooh. a full-time job. And one of the most important parts of that job is making sure your kids are getting the nutrition that they need. Okay, right? John. Yeah, I only know one nutrition slash music related pun. So Give I figure now is the time I've been waiting really my whole life for. Yeah. Here goes. Okay. Let us turn up the beats. Woo! <laughs> Let's just let that linger in the yeah. air yeah. for a little bit. That's too good. Yeah. 
That's too good. Okay, it's getting a bit smelly, but that's the exact opposite of today's sponsor, Haya Health, who have invented a pediatrician-approved, super-powered, chewable vitamin. Ah, superpowers are the best. What's your favorite superpower? Uh, teleportation. You just It's its about gas. That way you just save so much. Oh, yeah. yeah it's, it's a very dad thing. Yeah, yeah. Well, listen. Haya Health Superpower is making amazing vitamins that are made with zero sugar, zero gummy junk, yet tastes great yep. and is perfect for picky eaters. Getting my kids to eat anything without complaining would be the most impressive superpower job. We both know that. We know that. Haya's vitamins are formulated with the help of nutritional experts. They are pressed with a blend of 12 organic fruits and veggies, then supercharged with 15 essential vitamins and minerals, including vitamin D, B12, C, zinc, folate, and many others to help support immunity, energy, brain function, mood, concentration, teeth, bones, and more. That sounds like a full plate of goodness, Dave. Mm-hmm. Haya is designed for kids of all ages and sent straight to your door so parents have one less thing to worry about. You know, when it comes to kids' vitamins, I just want to set it and forget it. Oh, you know? I get that. I take the same approach to baking a cake. I don't know. But then I have, mm. I have these really acute flashbacks to the episode of Saved by the Bell where Screech swaps the oven knob. Total nightmare. <laughs> Still wake up. I have nights where I wake up screaming. And anyway, that's too much. We've yeah. worked out a special huh. deal with Haya for their best-selling children's vitamin. John, Here tell them about it. Here, I'm about to tell them. You can receive fifty percent off. That's five zero percent off your first order. And to claim this deal, you got to go to HayaHealth.com/dadville. John, this deal is not available on the regular website. No, it isn't. Because no, we isn't. got the inside track, right, okay? Dave. We got the scoop over here. Calls Baskin Robbins. Listen, go to HayaHealth.com slash Dadville. That's H-I-Y-A-H-E-A-L-T-H dot com slash Dadville and get your kids the full body nourishment they need to grow into healthy adults. <laughs> so I said... I really would rather not eat the finger foods as I don't really enjoy eating fingers. <laughs> oh my gosh. I didn't know that you had a bar mitzvah. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of food, John, <laughs> yeah. what are you making for lunch today? I'm not sure. You know, I only have 10 minutes to make a great tasting nutritional meal, you know. So yeah. What, what a coincidence. What a coincidence, John. L- listen to what it's about. I'm about to tell you, okay? Tell me. Today's sponsor, Green Chef, is exactly <sighs> what you're looking for. Just today, you're not going to believe me, but please do. I made a hot honey edamame salad Whoa. with pineapple, and it was incredible. In 10 minutes? Yeah. Dang. Yep. Also, hot honey edamame was the name of your acapella group in college, right? It was. Uh, you were unbelievable. I, knew, see, I didn't I, even want to say it. When you started it, I knew you I were going to land it. And that's it's not why I love you, but it's one of the reasons. Listen, Green Chef is a CCOF certified meal kit company. They make eating well easy with plans to fit every lifestyle, whether you're keto, paleo, vegan, vegetarian, gluten-free, or just looking to eat more balanced meals. And each week, they send you lunches that can be prepared. You're not, I know you're not going to believe what I'm about to say, John. Say it. Ten minutes. That's how long. It's insane. Just ten minutes. All right, let's see what's on the menu for this okay. week. And Dave, I want you to give the name of an occasion that you would prepare these for. Okay. okay. I'm just, I'm just spitball here. Let's go. Uh, here we go. Kale salad with pork. Uh, after a sword fight. Pistachio crusted sockeye salmon. Uh, after watching Ghostbusters two, obviously, yeah. 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 Cajun spiced chickpea power bowls. Uh, bench press, right <laughs> after power lift. And it sounds like Green Chef can cover nearly any get together at the Barnes. Corporate. It sounds like that to me too. Yeah. Green Chef has options for every lifestyle: keto, vegan, vegetarian, fast and fit, which is me, mm-hmm. Mediterranean, and gluten free. 
Make time for exciting new goals this spring with our convenient and nutritious recipes. Try fast and fit recipes like Dave, mm-hmm. under 750 calories wow. and ready in less than 25 minutes. Plus, cut down on meal prep with pre-portioned and prepped ingredients, including pre-measured sauces, spices, and dressings. I was making the Thai-style chicken and bell pepper soup last mm. night, Annie, and it was so easy and tasted like takeout. She looked at me and said, is this takeout? And I said, no. And then she was like, don't take it out of my hands. Listen to right? you. The recipes feature premium proteins, seasonal organic produce, and sustainably sourced seafood. Expand your palate with unique farm fresh ingredients like figs, dates, and artichokes. Ah, I love it. And you know what? We worked out a deal for our Dadville listeners. All you got to do is go to greenchef.com slash dadville60 and use the code dadville60 to get no. get this, Dave. No. You're going to no. die. 60% off plus wow. free shipping. Now, listen, John, everybody in the street right now that comes to watch us do these is going 60%? And yeah. I'm, yes. They don't believe it. It's 60%. It's true. I'm going to greenchef.com slash dadville60 and using the code dadville60 to get 60% off plus free shipping. Green Chef, the number one meal kit for eating well. <laughs> Man. Dave, Jeez, yeah. I want to give a shout out. Yeah. And when I give a shout out, I always I laugh because it just brings me so much joy you to give a shout out to Claritin yes. Yes. for supporting this episode and providing us with free oh, samples. You know it, John. This time of year, my allergies are in fuego. They're mm-hmm. always on the attack, but I use this and you should too. Oh, I do, Dave. Every day in our house. Yeah. Luckily, for those of us who live with the symptoms of allergies, we can live Claritin Clear with Claritin D. Designed for serious allergy sufferers, which is, this is me raising my hand, Claritin D has two powerful ingredients in just one pill to relieve your allergy symptoms and decongest your nose so you can breathe better. This double action combination of prescription strength allergy medicine and the best decongestant available relieves sneezing, runny nose, itchy and watery eyes, an itchy nose and throat and sinus congestion and pressure with ease. John, I've been taking Claritin D for my allergies for a long time, and it's been an absolute life changer. I can go for a run without my eyes watering. I may be crying, but it's not sure, from allergies. Totally different. And I can sing without feeling like I have like a big old, let's not even call it a frog. It's a, it's like a toad. It's like a family of toads. It's a family. It's a turtle. Yeah. In my so you ready to live life as if you don't have allergies? Yeah, me. I it's am. time to live Claritin clear. Fast and powerful relief is just a quick trip away. Find Claritin D at the pharmacy counter. Ask for Claritin D at your local pharmacy counter. You don't even need a prescription. Go to Claritin.com right now for a discount so you can live Claritin clear. Use as directed. (laughs) Oh my gosh. gosh. I didn't know you could stretch that far. That's amazing. I can't. That's actually a friend of mine. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Wow. Do you, speaking of your friends, do uh-huh. you ever bring your kids to the grocery store? Oh, Dave, that's like the rookiest of rookie mistakes. Oh. No. In fact, you shouldn't even bring yourself to the grocery store. Whoa. It's Thrive Market all the way, Dave. That was a trick question, and that is also Uh. the right answer, John. (laughs) Thrive Market is our go-to for all our grocery and household essentials and the convenience of ordering everything on their website or app and getting everything delivered to your doorstep quickly is a huge stress reliever. Huge stress reliever. And the products are amazing. Mm -hmm. Plus, you can curate your own shopping experience with a few clicks 
and trust that you're getting high quality products mm. so that you can shop worry free. Yes. I don't like to shop worried. You know what <laughs> I mean? Ah, worry shopping is the worst. <laughs> You just place an order for some gluten-free items, like using the gluten-free filter. Ooh. Boom. It just gives you all the gluten-free stuff. Wow. I got FitJoy grain-free pretzels. Yeah. P.I.P. corn white cheddar cheese balls. Guys, for those of us in the loop, it's called pip corn. No, no, no. I call it P.I.P. It's, a, again, a Midwestern okay. regional thing. <laughs> And I got some Lotus ramen noodles. You are off. You're just off. You're, I'm off to the races, You are Dave. crazy, John. <laughs> Not only do I save time shopping as a Thrive Market member, I also save money on every single grocery order, over 30% each time on average. That's crazy. They even have a price match guarantee and a deals page that changes weekly. That's right, Dave. In fact, on my last order, not to be you know competitive about it, but my last order of gluten-free items, the cost was $46. I saved 11 bucks. <sighs> I saved 10 last time. Plus, when you enjoy Thrive Market, and you can enjoy it and join it, John. I was trying to make both those it's words It's not work. an either or. It's, you can, guys, it's choose your own adventure, okay? And when you join and enjoy Thrive Market, you're also helping a family in need with their one-for-one -one membership matching program. You join, they give. Save time and money and shop Thrive Market today. Go to thrivemarket.com slash dadville for 30% off your first order plus free $60 gift. That's T H R I V E market.com slash dadville. Thrive market.com slash dadville. And join today. Before we get to dad stuff, like, you know, when you were talking about back in the day when you and Daryl were writing all those songs, like how you were kind of in a vacuum together writing and creating. And I recently just made a rule for myself like when i you know i run a couple times a week and when i'm running i typically will listen to podcasts because i just that's my way of shutting my brain down and listening to just the driest podcast i can <laughs> but i have made a rule for myself this year like no podcasts i'm only listening to music and i'm trying to listen to music that i don't know mm. and just like you know sure and so every time i do i get ideas I have yeah, like yeah. voice memos of me just like almost having a heart attack as I'm <laughs> trying running, to like, sing ideas, trying to sing my idea. <laughs> so I, I, the last question I wanted to ask you musically, cause I have a million more of them, but it, what is that, the version of that for you at this point, you're still creating great music. Like how are you, how are you getting your inspiration? Are you still in the vacuum? Uh, no, I mean, no, I'm not. I'm out there in the world now. Uh, but I, I, I relate exactly to what you're talking about because when I go off for hikes uh, mm -hmm. in particular, um, I think it has to do with oxygenating, oxygenating yeah, your brain. Yeah, your brain. Uh -huh. um, you, you know, you get the endorphins going, you know, you, and I get all kinds of ideas. So I'm always, yeah, I've got the iPhone, you know, you just yeah. hit the voice memo, you know, sing a little snippet mm -hmm. or something or a groove or, mm -hmm. yeah, you know, I relate to that 100%. Um, I don't listen to a lot of music, though. I should listen to more. I, I listen to it when my wife plays it in the house. Yeah. Um, and that kind of, uh, you know, kind of, uh, like I, I'm, I was trying to help her. Um, my wife has a, a young niece who, who's a singer here in town. And um, I heard a Judd song just haphazardly you know, in the background. And then she was looking for a song to do. And I said, why don't you do a version of that, you know, this Judd song? Um, and But I would never have thought of that had, you know, it not been playing in the uh -huh, house. You know? uh -huh. So, yeah, I mean, I don't, uh, but I really don't. I like to listen to talk radio. Yeah. I, um, and that kind of stuff. It just kind of, it just kind of clears me out, you know? Yes. Yeah. yeah. 
I found that to be true. John got me on a podcast, but it is funny when so much music is in your life. It's like it's a nice way to just not be. You just kind of want to go to what other the uh, whatever the other extreme is. I yeah. think if your whole world is, if you're a journalist or whatever, like probably music is your escape. And then if music is your whole world, then listening to a dry podcast is your escape. Well, you I, I, and I and I'm sure you guys probably feel the same way. I'm gonna I'm gonna put words in your mouth, but hope, don't don't you know. <laughs> don't contradict you. Yeah, don't contradict. yeah you're right. Uh, <laughs> totally right. Hey, I'm freaking John Oates. Don't contradict <laughs> No, come on. I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> no, seriously. Um, I don't think the average person, it, it, like if I go to someone's house and they put on music and it's really quiet, but I can hear it, uh-huh. it like, it kind of disturbs me. Yeah. Because yeah. I can't really hear it, but I know it's there yeah. and it's this annoying thing in the background and i don't think people realize that musicians actually listen to the music they don't let it just wash over them mm. like oh i'm gonna be sweeping the garage out and i'm just gonna have some music playing in the yeah, background yeah yeah, exactly to me it's annoying if i can't hear it yeah and then you I, can't not engage with it i have to listen i'm trying to figure out like what key is this in i well, can't you're listening, quite tell you as a musician you're probably listening analytically in some right. sense mm-hmm. right yeah. mm-hmm. because that's what i do i mean oh, yeah i'm listening to the mix i'm listening to you know what's happening yes. in the yeah, track yes yeah, yeah. and, yes. and blah 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 yes. you know so i'm listening for information you know, right. and it, it kind of, in a way, takes away the pleasure of just letting it wash over you. Yeah. Uh, I, if it's really old music that I'm so that I know so well, like old R and B or something like that, yeah, that I can just yeah because yeah, you know it. It's like baby food yeah, or something, yeah, yeah. you yeah. know. But uh, but anything else, you know, I have to either I listen to, it, and my wife will have it on in the car, but really quiet, and I'm like, ah, it's either off. <laughs> or yeah. Are we doing yeah. this or are we not? Yeah, like exactly. <laughs> that thing is, I, I I relate to that so much. Like Annie will laugh at me because I'm like either let's have it going and let me choose it, yeah, or let's don't have it on because otherwise, <laughs> I, like someone's talking to me and I'm like. I'm sorry. What did you say? <laughs> right. But that groove was great. Did you hear that bass line? I'm sorry. No, say what you were exactly, saying. Exactly. Exactly. You know, I, I'm, I, th- I think this is a really cool thing about you, and I'm dying to hear sort of the 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 reasoning behind it. But so you have you, you decide to take your son right on the road for this is such a cool thing. Like, I, it, so he was five five weeks old. Five weeks. Five weeks old, mm-hmm. and he was out until thirteen. Is that right? Yep. So that you had him homeschooled and he was just kind of with you yep. on the road. We we did try to we put him in school early on, um, preschool and kindergarten into first grade. Um, but we could we he there was a, it was a community school that was very you know progressive, um, and it was right near where we lived in Colorado. And we told them, hey, look, we're going to be traveling, but we, and they said, yeah, it's okay, you can pull him out. So we we pulled, but it got to the certain point where he couldn't keep up. Yeah. So yeah. that's when we completely committed to homeschooling yeah we started homeschooling them you know early on before homeschooling was quite as popular as it is now and but we did hire a um my <laughs> my wife started stalking the, the public library until she found this uh, this gal who was who was pregnant and uh, she she was uh, I, I guess she had some students or something and she was just getting ready to stop teaching in the, in the school oh wow mm-hmm. and my my wife like kind of found her and said hey We've got a job for you. Um, and she asked her if she wouldn't mind being a private tutor. And she loved it because she could stay home. She had her baby. So she was with us through two of her own kids. No way. Oh, cool. And she was yeah. awesome. And yeah, she was fantastic. She would just come on the road? 
Uh, no, no. She would do it at home, home and give us stuff, and then we were on the road. We, oh, I we gotcha. We would do it then. I got gotcha. you. And, you know, it, well, I <laughs> I got lost in second grade math. I, I was, was going to say, I was yeah. done, you know, no yeah. doubt. but, um, no, she was fantastic. And we did that. Uh, and that, that helped us get through a lot of stuff. But, but, you know, my wife's really, she was very, very sorry. Cause I was married in the eighties. I shouldn't have been, but I was got divorced. Luckily we had no kids. Um, and, uh, you know, the, 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 being on the road with Daryl and the band, it was like a boys club, you mm-hmm. know, we would, you know, and plus you have to take it into the context of the times. Touring in the 70s and the 80s was mm-hmm. actually pretty good um, <laughs> for the extracurricular activities outside of music. And so when we got to the you know, we got to the early 90s when I met my, my you know current wife, and we started talking about all this, you know, um, I wasn't touring a lot, um, mm. but she said, hey, "Look, if you're going on the road, you know, same thing's going to happen. We're going to get divorced, or something terrible's going to mm. happen." Right. And then once we had a kid, it was mm. like mm. she said, "Hey, we're going to do this as a family. We're not doing it all." Wow. I, I didn't. I couldn't conceive of being on tour with a family. Right. Right. I mean, yeah. to me, it was like right. What? You only knew one. No, version I only of knew that. one one version. Yeah. So, but we did it, and it was a quite a, an adjustment. I mean, you know, I basically we we began traveling independently of the band. Oh wow! Um, yeah, and we just basically were on our own tour. I'd get to where we I, we needed to be, however I needed to get there. Um, so there was no more tour buses, no more planes, no more. It was just us. And wow. if I had to be a place, I got there, and you know. And so yeah, and so we took our kid to uh, you know we did the science museums in every city, mm. and he took him around the world. He's been to Japan multiple Jeez. times, Europe, uh, Australia, you know, New Zealand, and so he had this incredible experience. Um, but academically it wasn't as sound as it should have been Yeah, yeah. because we couldn't stay consistent. Right. Right. But what he got on the, you know, in terms of, um, the ex- experiential level. Yeah. yeah. And the, the, the interesting thing, many interesting things, but one of the really interesting things was he grew up around adults. Yeah. So wow. he had he had some friends when we'd go back to Colorado. He had some friends that he still has to this day. But really he spent 90% of his time with adults. Wow. So when he would talk or ask a question, an adult would answer him in a very kind of the way an adult would answer a question. Mm-hmm. Later on when he finally went to school when he was 13, um one of his biggest adjustments was how to deal with kids. Wow. Because kids would, I remember he came home from school early on when he first started and he was, he goes, how come when I ask somebody, the kid goes, cuz, answers, cuz, what do you mean, cuz? He's like, hey, how do you do this? Well, cuz, you know, what, what? And he was used to getting an answer from an adult who would actually engage with him. Man. And it really what threw, a unique situation. It, it really threw him, and also he had a hard time keeping up academically in certain ways because mm-hmm. he could learn at his own pace when right, he was homeschooled, right. and then when he had to get into a structured environment, he had to learn at the pace of the group. Right. Wow. And so that did, didn't always work for him. So there was there was some definitely some challenges along the way, um, but you know he he was so mature. I mean he lived on his own from ninth grade. Straight on. He's never lived at home since ninth grade. Really? Wow. Well, he went to a boarding school. He had to because I was still working. Yeah. So once he said, hey, I got to go to a school. I want to be with girls and real kids. Yeah. (laughs) Because I, no more. And I would always joke to him. I I said, he said, I I said, you don't have to worry about school. I said, look, 
I get you a black T-shirt and a bu- and a and a bunk on the bus. You, you're good. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah. <laughs> like he, you're just crew. He's like, Dad, I'm going to college. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's like, yeah. He had no illusions about show business. Trust me. One of my questions about that because I knew that I like Dave said I knew at five weeks you took him yeah. on the road and he was homeschooled all that time and I was gonna I was curious if that was like hey let's give this a try and then we'll see where it goes. Or if it was like it sounds like it was, where it's like, no, this is what we're doing. It's us on the road okay. full on. Okay. I thought we were going to give it a try. Right, right, right. My wife had no illusions about that. Yeah. No, wow. No, this is what we're doing. Yeah. And we're Which, doing this. Thank God she did. I mean, I yeah. feel like when when Amy and I first got married. My wife's name Amy, too. That's a great name. <laughs> I have your wife's name tattooed on my arm. Just FYI. I don't want it to be weird. Um, when, when we first got married, she came out on the road with my band and I for like the first six, seven years. And then we started having kids. And so she doesn't go on the road anymore, but it is like a, a foundational part of our marriage. If we hadn't done that, there's so, there's so much that I do now when I go on the road that she's like, yeah, yeah, I've been there. I know that green room. Like we don't feel as far apart. And that's such a gift that you gave to your son that he knows you on that level, yeah. you know? He knows everything that, about the music that's world. Right. Yeah. And and and, he, and we know him. Um mm-hmm. that's why we could be apart and there's a there's a bond that you mm. can that was created because we spent I mean, I spent every so moment much time. in his life yeah. together, you know, until he got to a certain point where he left us behind and he knows that <laughs> you can't do the second yeah. grade math he knows yeah. that oh he knows he's that he's like dad it sounded great tonight you're a little out of tune on the third no, tune. No. and also he didn't know. want to know about music he's totally he's, he's more in the computers government he he was world. In, uh yeah. he's um he's works for a private defense contractor so oh geez uh-huh. i actually don't know what he does um but it's uh <laughs> and we can't say anymore and about every it. time i ask him he says i'm i'm keeping you safe dad so I said, okay, okay, right, that's fine. So yeah, he's in a whole other world. That's wow. weird. So so um, so this is fascinating to me. He he really like there was a time in the road where he kind of came to you and went like, I, I'm I'm ready to do something else. Oh, I could tell this story. Okay, I'll tell you the straw that broke the camel's back. Jerry Douglas asked me to do uh, a tour with him called the Jerry Christmas Tour. Wow! And it was a Christmas tour only in San Asylums. No, 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 but close. No, no. Um, it was called the Jerry Christmas Tour, and it was with this amazing band, you know, with Doug Belode on drums and yeah, Guthrie yeah. Trapp, who I still play with yeah, today, right. uh, and and some really great, a young young fiddle player who was really young, and um, this this gal, uh, an Irish an Irish singer. Mm. Uh, anyway, so we did this tour together, doing doing kind of bluegrass Christmas songs, right? And it was during that tour that he had finally had enough because everyone was drinking. Um, Mm -hmm. Jerry has since totally sober. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't drink, you know, Mm -hmm. and I I was never a big drinker, but it was a lot of drinking. It was a lot of this and that. And it it was just this exhausting experience. Wow. But the music was great. And I wanted, you know, and Jerry Douglas is one of my heroes and I wanted to play with him. So I I did it because I I wanted the experience of doing that. Um, And that was where he said, this is it. Is it for me? Wow. He, he was almost 13. He says, I want to go to a real school. I want to be with kids. I've had enough, you know, no more of this, you yeah. know? And so that's what we found a boarding school that was close to where we lived. And we enrolled him there and he lived in the dorm. And then that was it. He went, that is, I, I, he the, went straight to college. 
Well, the wherewithal of it. a well, yeah. and you said, I mean, he matured quickly because yeah. of his environs. Right. Yeah, but yeah. at the same time, that's just an insane amount. Um, <laughs> that's your fault, by the way. That's an insane amount of wherewithal for a thirteen-year-old yeah. boy to go, "Hey, yeah. this has been great. I need some structure, and I want to be around kids." Like yeah. that's really impressive. Yeah. yeah, he knew it. He knew it, um, and he knew he couldn't go on. And and I and I knew I couldn't really stop working because I don't want to stop working. I'm not mm-hmm. being selfish. It's just it's my life. You yeah, know? right. Um, and he understood that too. Uh, so yeah, so that's and he enjoyed the boarding school and he was cool with, yeah, he was, it was okay. It wasn't a great situation, but, um, once he went to college, he went to Virginia tech. Um, and my wife's family's from Illinois and my father is my, my mom passed away quite a while ago. My, my father's still alive and living in Pennsylvania. So, and then he moved to DC and we're like, okay. And that's where we made the transition to Nashville because it just Uh seemed we were closer to everybody. Um, you know, and uh, that's that kind of one of the, in addition to the music, was one of the reasons we came here. So, so what was the transition like? You know, like I, I feel like the maybe more traditional route is that your kids at around that age, thirteen, they start to separate. Yeah. In in little microscopic ways, day to day kind of thing. But you guys had a more extreme sort of like he's on the road with you every day, and then. He's yeah. at boarding school. What was that transition like? Well, I could sense it. You know, that's I think that's part of the uh, that's part of the the natural um, process of right. of being a teenager. You know, you mm. you start to separate. You you become mm. your own person and separate yourself from the family and from you know the the childhood that you grew up in. Yeah, and it, you have to let that happen. I mean, you can't uh, you can't control that. Yeah. They're going to do it one way or the other. They're either going to rebel and reject you completely, or yeah. you know, you've got to like you know. I think, you know, my, my, the proudest thing I, I have of being a, a dad is that I recognize that, A, he was not ever going to be musical, which I was actually happy about, to wow. be honest with you. Um, and I realized that he, has, he was very analytical and very kind of science-oriented. So I tried to encourage it, you know. Yeah. Um, I tried to, you know, give him the, the, the tools to help him go in that direction, you know. Uh, he had a, you know, he, he built a workshop and he started doing science experiments wow. and doing all kinds of stuff. He built a, um, I'm bragging on your kids, of course, but he, uh, he built a, a plasma reactor when he was 15. Okay. Uh, was, I had a plasma TV when I was 15. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, so. what question can I have about the plasma? How big was it? I don't know. <laughs> Tell us about that. I know nothing about incredible. plasma reactors. Yeah. It was really funny because uh, I had a, I had a, I put on, I produced a uh, songwriters festival in Aspen, Colorado. Uh-huh. And um, there was this group, I can't remember who they were exactly, but they were part of the festival. They were coming to perform. And when they got there, the, the 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 one guy said, "said is it is that is he your son?" And I said, "Yeah." He goes, "He goes, can we see the reactor?" I said, "What?" Because they had seen him on YouTube. No, no way. They and they were like, they didn't want to know about it. And then nothing about me or the music or anything. <laughs> they were like, "Can we?" can he show us the reactor so they all came over to the house to go to the workshop said no. so he demonstrate the reactor for them like real quick crazy. i don't know what a plasma reactor is what what is it i could tell you but john you go ahead <laughs> <laughs> As I'm Googling you guys are funny um <laughs> i'm pulling up wikipedia it, it, that's it, a great question it's um it's a it's kind of a um i can't really describe it i'm a freaking musician um <laughs> it's uh it's it has to do with gas you put gas into a vacuum 
uh-huh. and then you uh, you energize it electrically, and the gas becomes like a um, it's almost like a like the sun. It's like the sun in miniature. It's it's what makes the sun the sun. Holy cow! But it, and he built one of these things. He built it in a 15. vacuum in a little tiny. Yeah, yeah. That's incredible. What in the world? It's still on YouTube. That is crazy. I'm going to look mm-hmm. it up. Well, you know what, too, I was going to say, in, in, in a weird way, maybe not a weird way, but that has to be like kind of a relief for both you and him that he wasn't interested in music. Because yeah. you see, and especially live in Nashville, yeah, yeah. and you, you, know, you with L.A. or New York, uh, you know, you see where like you have a dad who has a lot of success, you know, and that son or daughter wants to do that same thing and it's just it's hard not to feel a lot of compassion for that because you know you're like you are following in some just monster footsteps and sometimes it can it can work and sometimes it can it, and it can, it can you know yeah but i mean it, I, in a weird way like i think that would sort of be a relief to me knowing like okay they're never gonna have to deal with like oh you're john's oh, okay well yeah and then because immediately the expectations are gonna skyrocket knowing yeah. there's lineage there yeah no i was i was not disappointed in any way shape or form that he yeah. decided to go on a different route so uh, yeah. that's, that's, that's did cool. you make him take the plasma reactor to the insane asylum though just kind of <laughs> just so he could show it there and they could feel kind of you guys uh, <laughs> um <laughs> If okay. you, hey, by the way, if you want a little bit more detail on all this crazy stuff, uh, can I can I promote my book? Please, please do. Yes. Please do. I wrote a book in 2017 called A Change of Seasons, and it's a auto, it's a biogra- autobiography, uh, and um, it's got a lot of uh, detail on some of these crazy stories mm-hmm. in there. Uh, How, what what is it like writing a book like that? Like, is it is it? Um, I'm so scared I would forget things or I would misplaced memories i mean how do you navigate that space like do you sit with daryl and go hey question do you, when we it, played that was it this year this year that that that, that was that's that's a there's a the multi-level answer to that um first of all the first challenge was if i was going to do it how can i tell my own personal story when my personal life is so completely involved and intrinsically wrapped up in the hall and oats experience yeah right, right. and i can't speak for him Right. I don't want to tell, I can't tell his story right. yeah. uh, on a personal level, even though I know it. Um, so how is I going to do that? Um, I, I did a series of interviews with a guy Oh wow! who was actually from, uh, from the Philadelphia area. And he was very insightful. He always seemed to know what I wanted to kind of, you know, where I was coming from. And it was over the f- a few years that we did these series of interviews, and he finally said, "You know, you've got all these stories." He goes, "Have you ever considered writing a book?" And I oh, said, "Oh wow!" And I said, "You know, I thought about it, but I, I've never really made the, you know, took yeah. the, the thing." And he said, "Well, if you ever want to do it, he goes, I'd like to help you because I can maybe guide wow. you through the process." So I, I said, "You know what? Let's do it." Um, so he became my co-writer and my uh, editor and my researcher. And as the writing process went on, as as I got better at it, um, because I'd never done anything like yeah, this, yeah, yeah. he became more, much more of a guide and a researcher. And I used to joke with him. I said, you know, if you ever want to, uh, you have stop writing you should get a job at the fbi because this guy found stuff that i had yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. and so to answer your question what would happen is he would say hey in 1972 you were here and you did this and you said blah 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 and i'd go 
what? And it, then all of a sudden the memories wow. would flow back. So yeah. it was like, a, you know that, 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 that technique, I think they call it regressive memory, where they take you back in time. You know, it's like a psychological technique. Uh-huh. Um, that's what started happening. Wow. So, and then I realized, wait a minute, what a gift. There's stuff that I now remember that I never would have remembered for the rest right. of my life. Yeah. So that's how it started. And once it started, it opened up a channel without sounding too hippy dippy about it. It opened up a channel of these memories wow. that started to come back. And so then I would write it. And then of course I had to learn how to write because I could always write, but I didn't realize what needed to be done. So I had to start. So as the, process went on it took about two years as the process went on i got better and better at writing yeah more descriptive more uh interesting i think mm-hmm. and then i had to go back and rewrite the beginning of the book mm-hmm. because yeah the beginning writing was like kind of flatlining it was bland it wasn't you know it just didn't have a lot of punch wow so uh yeah so th- that was that was an amazing process yeah. to go on and on and on and then i was on tour with daryl at the time too and now i'm thinking oh my god i'm going through this whole thing i'm writing all this stuff and if he doesn't like it hmm. i'm gonna have to deal yeah, with this right? Right, right right so what i started doing was i started letting him read everything oh wow Especially when not everything. When it was really about me, then you know, of course, I didn't. But yeah. when it, anything that was about us together or something that may have been Hall and Oates related, I would let him read it, and he kind of signed off on it. Wow! Incrementally, and I thought, God, if I write five hundred pages and I have to go back and eliminate stuff, yeah, because he decides that he didn't like it or didn't like the way it was described or whatever. Right. So that was a good thing about it. Wow. Um, and so, you know, he had kind of basically incrementally signed off on the whole book before the book was even finished, mm. which was a good thing. Um, and, you know, he made a joke at one point. I said, he said, I'm glad you did it because I don't have to do it. Yeah. Um, so that uh, was cool of you to do that. I mean, you well, didn't have I, to do that. I didn't have to, but I thought if I don't, I'm not going to have a book. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's know, true. There's a good yeah. chance that, you know, this whole thing's going to implode after all that work. Well, what's crazy to me about that is like, you know, thinking that, you know, this is a life, you, this is your life. And yet, because it is so, I mean, I think that's one of the coolest things about your story. And guys like came up when you did in these incredible environments playing music. And all, but like, and you hear this with Paul McCartney, same with all those guys where they're like, people are coming and going, did you know you did this? And you're like, uh-uh. no, I know. But, yeah. but, yeah. but they, yeah. you know, like this guy would research and come to you and yeah. you're like, yeah. Oh my God, I forgot about that. Or, yeah. And he was great. And, um, he was, he's also an author himself and he's written a, bun- a bunch of books, history books and sports books. So he had the experience and he knew how to navigate the world of publishing as well. The book publishing is a completely different animal, yeah. um, which was great too. So it ended up that, uh, we went to St. Martin's press and they accepted the book and they released the book and it became an Amazon bestseller. Oh, that's amazing. That's great. So, so with your son, I, it, it, I'm curious to hear that too, because I'm sure he'd read the book and go, there's much stuff he didn't know. But w- with him, w- when was the moment that you felt like he kind of, and it's tricky because he's been, he had been on the road with you, mm-hmm. but I'm always fascinated with my friends and people I meet like you that, that play music professionally and have success at it, that when their kids kind of go like, oh, oh, this is like you're, oh, you know what I mean? Like this is kind of, but I mean, it, I, that may have been tricky because he was just always seeing the people. He's always there. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, have you started recording yet? Oh my god. <laughs> yeah, this is good. Let's get that yeah, last repeat yeah. that last question. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm just kidding, sorry. But but what so he just there was never a moment where he kinda sat down and went like, Whoa, Dad, like this is he just saw it all. Yeah, uh, he didn't and I don't even think he read the book either. <laughs> really? No, I don't think so. Yeah. <laughs> 
He might have read excerpts or something. Yeah. He was looking for himself. He was like, he probably read it and told you he didn't read it. Yeah, <laughs> well, you know what happens when you write a book like that. The first thing people do is they turn to the back and they go into the into the uh, uh-huh. appendix to see what page they're mentioned on. Right, yeah. right. So and then they just flip. I've got uh, selfishly I have a question for you because you your son is, you know, in his twenties now or he's, oh, he's twenty seven, yeah. Twenty seven. So I have two girls, seven and ten, and Dave's kids are, are stair stepped in between there. So you know, we have younger kids. Yeah. So I'm I'm always curious when we have dads on who who have older kids, like what's the advice that they would have given themselves What's the advice you would give yourself as a dad when your son was about, you know, seven to 11 mm. range? You know, like what, can you remember like what you were worried about during that time? What would you tell yourself now? I, the one thing I was always, always reinforced with him, um, I wanted him to be an independent thinker mm. and uh-huh. I wanted him to uh, know what he was talking about. So we did a lot of reading. I would always read to him when he was younger, younger. And um, when we were in the car, I, I, always, I always said, never use a word unless you know what it really means. Hmm. I was very, well, being, you know, being an English major, journalism major, I was kind of conscious of that. Yeah. But I said, make sure you know what you're saying and, you know, make sure, make, because once you say it, you've said it. Don't say it unless... Uh-huh. You, wow. you actually know what you're talking about. Wow. Words are powerful. Yeah, I, I was very conscious of that, and I really wanted him to be an independent thinker. I, I kept saying, look it up. Make sure you know what is going on. Don't, don't just accept someone's opinion of it or um, something that you, you, you might have heard you know, in passing. You know, if you really are interested in something, understand it and know it. Um, and I would always challenge him with certain words, you know, he'd use a word and he'd use it in the wrong way. And I'd say, okay, what does it really mean? You don't, mm. you don't know what you're talking about, you know? So I was a little bit, a uh, bit, bit of, you very strict about that. But other than that, I just wanted him to, um, I just wanted him to be happy. Yeah. You know? yeah. Yeah. So what is it like having a son that age now? Like what, you know, that, that he's grown up and he's living his life and he's doing his thing. What is y'all's relationship like now? Little kids, little problems, big kids, big problems. <laughs> <laughs> um, Somebody said that. It's it's true. Yeah. Uh, they you know they they're always your kid. You know. Yeah. Uh, in some way, shape, or form, and uh, you know he's very super independent. But you know, you, you know what I'm learning from him. I'm I'm learning that there's a very serious issue with young people in, in terms of depression. Mm-hmm. Um, and the 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 pressures of social media. Mm. It's it, it it's kind of hard for me as an older person to really understand why it's so important. Mm-hmm. Like to me, if someone on social media slagged me or, you know, which, which they do frequently, um, or, you know, if, if there's some negative thing going on, I have, I, it's easy for me to ignore it. I don't care. Yeah. yeah. But they really care mm. Yeah. to them. It's really real. Mm. It's this, you know, this kind of, and the pressures that come with that, you know, cause he, he tells me, he's like, Oh, so-and-so and this and that on, you know, Instagram. Or I said, why do you care? Who cares? Just ignore them. He, and you know, that it's, it's not, it's, it's an actual, it's something that's, that I don't really understand. I, yeah. it, it doesn't, it's not that important to me or mm. meaningful to me, but to them, it's really, really meaningful. Yeah. That is and, um, you know, and he, he definitely has his bouts of, you know, 
he's very secure in 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 who he is but at the same time you know i see there's a lot of there's just a lot of external pressures mm-hmm. on on mm-hmm. this new generation now your kids are still pretty young they're going to but they're go- they're going to move up mm-hmm. into that very quickly right. you know and and also the the exposure to uh to the to the world uh via the internet is just um it's just it's, lightning fast it's lightning fast yeah. it's it's scary mm-hmm. yeah. uh it it can be very you know Kids can be very knowledgeable and mm. very, you know, uh, they can be exposed to a lot of stuff, both good and bad. You yeah. Know? So, I mean, I, I just, um, I don't envy that. I don't, I'm glad I'm not uh, growing up in, the, in the, this environment. So I don't envy you guys in terms of the yeah. challenges that you're going to have. But, you know, in the end, you know, you just do your best. Well, I've, I've, I don't know that I've ever really thought about it in these terms before, but like all the social media, anything that's online, anything that's on the other side of the screen, to us, it's like, well, I, rem- I remember a, a lot of life before that even was a thing. Mm-hmm. So it seems like I have it at arm's length. Well, you guys are, at your age, you are in that place where you can remember the yeah. world. We're kind of like the last ones. Probably. You are. Yeah. You probably are, right? But to our kids, it's like, well, this is as real as this. That's right. It's just That's all right. intertwined. I know. It's it's, it's frightening. It's yeah. scary. And it's weird, you know, because of what we all do with music, you know, either from writing for someone or, you know, I've kind of got a foot in each because, you know, a lot of people I write with are a lot younger, right. you know, mm-hmm. and so they live in that space. Yeah. And they are, everything is sort of operating on here and, you know, uh, yep. a lot of their life is sort of here. And I have a foot in that and I get it and I spend time on my phone too, but I also am like you, I'm still old enough where I'm like, yeah, who cares, you right, know, right, but it's right. weird. And, and to your point about your son, like I really have had to learn that too. It's just, I've gotten to know some of my younger friends. Like I'm like, man, this is a big deal. You know, know, like it's not, it may not register at all to me, right. but then they feel so different about it, you know? And so I yeah. think having kids as young as ours, I mean that, you know, if there's a, if I feel like there's a conversation that, I have so much about our with our friends with kids our ages. It is just like you. It's coming, and you can see it coming. How do you? Just how that, does your kid engage yeah. the phone and internet yeah. and things? Yeah. And it, you see it. It's because it's going to happen. It's just trying to sort of figure out how to approach it in a way that you know you're not pretending like it's you know thousands not of years ago. And like, what's that? We don't know what that is. Yeah. We, you know. Yeah. But at the same, and I think that's what scares me. I had somebody tell me the other day, they're like, you know, and this is so heavy on me because I don't do this well, but like you're teaching your kid how to use like these things by how you do it. And so, you know, I yeah, catch I know. that I'm like, oh shoot. Yeah. Sorry, bud. Like what's going on? <laughs> I hate you know? it. Any, anytime I'm on my phone when the kids are in the room, I th- we had a, a, a guest on Kurt Thompson who said like, e- there have been studies that, and I'm botching this, but there have been studies that have, that have been done on even if the a phone is in the room, mm-hmm. your kids act s- somehow differently. There's some like they can sense the presence of the connectedness that you have to your phone. I hate all that stuff. Yeah, it's it's and I you know and taking it to uh, uh, from the artistic perspective, all this new deep fake stuff and the AI uh, yeah. stuff that's coming is really frightening and now your kids are going to have that it's going to be normal yeah it's going to be totally accepted and normal they will just oh now you know and what 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 kind of series of challenges and things are they're going to have to navigate with that yeah i don't know 
I don't know what that I even, mean, imagine, I don't know how we make our way through that. Yeah, I mean, imagine, you know, your kids are in school and somebody has it out, for some some kid has it out for them and decides to put their face on a thing and right. yeah. throws it up on a thing and all of a sudden your kid's, you know, robbing a gas station or some crazy yeah. Like that. Yeah. I mean, you know, there's some really crazy stuff happening. Yeah. So. Well, know, it's hard to, it's just hard as a parent to feel, even like you're saying about your son, it's hard to feel prepared. It's hard to know, like, yeah. how do you deal with one of those? I'm like, I have no clue. Like, I right. wasn't, this isn't in the manual, yeah. Yeah. you know? And it's all accelerated. Yeah. So, so fast. So fast. Yeah. You don't even have time to adjust to That's it. right. And it's already. And kind of absorb and process it and then figure out how to deal with it. You yeah. just have to deal with it immediately. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, have you played around with this AI uh, we, songwriting stuff? The guy, where, literally the guy we had on this morning, we talked about this. Yeah. Yeah. Where you. You know, you just say four, 15 words and, and make a description of a song and there you, you, this thing writes a song for you. I just can't. I can't believe that exists. He he read, uh, Elliot Cherry's his name. He, he came in and he read a poem that this thing wrote about itself. <laughs> oh my gosh. And look, it's no, it's not Shakespeare, but it's like, that's, that's pretty crazy. Yeah, it is. It was pretty good. I've never felt like more like Terminator. You know how it was yeah. like the end of days. I'm like, oh great, this is yeah. where I like walk in and there's a guy that's like with my wife and he's like, we are married now. And I'm like, okay, whatever you say, Mister, please don't hurt me. I love your poems. Um, well, th- so we always thank you for your time. First of all, this has um, been so we always great. we so always great. end yeah, with nice. a couple of questions. Okay, um, I'll ask the first of the two. What is the one thing you want your son to know? That I tried my best. Mm. That's great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, that, I, that I was there for him and I tried my best. Yeah. Love that. All right, last question. This is heavy. Good. Let's go. Lay it on me. What do you want your son to say at your funeral? This is heavy. Um, shouldn't I eat all that ice cream? Hey! <laughs> <laughs> And he'll be wearing a red jacket <laughs> and some bucks. Oh that they were called? White bucks. White bucks. That is amazing. <laughs> that is amazing. Shouldn't have been. He just slowly approaches this guy. Thank you for being here. And I, it was cookies and cream. Shouldn't eat all that ice cream. All right, guys. There's a reception. Ice cream reception at the thing. <laughs> thank you.